0: Hey, everyone. This is last Jackson of Detroit bad boys on in this week's podcast. We have the Cleveland Cavaliers team preview up next in our series. I talked to Carter Rodriguez and Justin Rowan of fear of the sword and the chase down pod about Kevin loves extension the way forward in Cleveland and hidden Jim. Jetty Osmond uh, LeBron James comes up once or twice to no big deal. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, like, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the post on Detroit Bad Boys. It's the best way for us to build the podcast according to what the fans want. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I'm your host, Lazarus Jackson. I'm pleased today to be joined by Carter Rodriguez and Justin Rowan, uh, both hosts of the Chase Down podcast, who uh, recently partnered with Blue Wire. Uh, I don't know what that is, but congratulations are in order. And uh, writers (laughs) and editors at Fear the Sword. Uh, How are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing well.
1: I I, I thought I was going to pause and let Carter answer first, just as the polite Canadian, but then I noticed he was pausing as well. So
2: uh, I'm doing well, man. I I really appreciate you having us on.
0: No, yeah, thanks. I
2: think there's no greater indicator of the chemistry we've developed over the course of like 75 podcasts than the fact that we still don't know who to answer (laughs) first when we get introduced like that.
0: So I've done like a bunch of these team previews by now and like sometimes I have two people from the same team sometimes not and like I always don't know when to throw like the names in there at the intro because I don't know who normally talks first right like it is yeah like, it's yeah. a
2: bit of a it is normally Justin but uh it ultimately it doesn't matter Um and I think that if anyone who listens to NBA podcasts gets turned off by that well then they probably just can't listen to any NBA podcast because it's a pretty consistent
1: <laughs> it, it's that and and it's I find it's more common with a three-person podcast, too. Like, for some reason, two and two seems to work a little bit better. But with NBA podcasts, you either get that or you get the question, am I allowed to swear on here? And then the host just starts cussing away, like,
2: yeah, you can fucking swear.
1: <laughs> well, I wasn't going to actually swear because I didn't know.
0: You are allowed to swear on this podcast. And I appreciate Carter just, like, letting one rip before, like, I got the chance to tell well- you.
2: In fairness, for the bit, I had to do it. And uh um, he's dedicated to the bit. I'm not dedicated proud
1: of it. to the
0: bit
2: uh, over anything else. This isn't live. I figured we could have bleeped me
0: if uh, if it were such a problem. We, we've done some like interesting bleep stuff in the past, but we don't have to. <laughs> it's fine. That's fine. All right, so now we'll do names. Uh, Carter. We're going to ask you the first question we ask everybody who's done the Eastern Conference previews with us so far. Give us one word that sums up Cleveland fans' feelings after this offseason and uh, explain why. Uh, Swoon, Uh,
2: because all Cleveland Cavaliers fans have, at least in Cavs' Twitter, to keep them going, is there just affection for some of these players that are still around or that they kind of have some connection to, you know? Uh I'm I don't know if you saw all of us uh melting in our chairs over Jet, Jetty Osmond oh, Jetty Osman at Media Day. But uh yeah, we we are swooning. Uh and I think we're swooning so we don't get depressed, 'cause like there's a lot to be depressed about, but I don't really get that vibe from the fan base. At least the people who are sticking around, obviously. Like I mean, people who aren't gonna watch the team anymore are must be bummed, but you know, my whatever. word would probably be refreshed. Um
1: I think People are going into this year with an understanding that, uh, well, with the exception of Tristan Thompson, everyone seems to have an understanding that the Cavs are not going back to the NBA finals next season. Um, (laughs) But outside of that, I I think it's just the disruption from the norm that, or at least what the established norm had been, um, especially after Kevin Durant went to the Warriors, like the last two years, it really feels like you're playing for second place and, After Kyrie left, then that becomes even more evident. And it's tough. Like The LeBron experience takes a lot out of you. And when there isn't a chance at a championship there, going through the drama, compromising, saying, hey, it's okay that the regular season doesn't matter and they're always going to be frustrating. And when I had a long day at work on a Wednesday, I'm going to come home to see them get blown out by Charlotte. Like Those are... (laughs) <laughs> i think there's some relief in not having that and and now when we get blown out by the hornets it's because we suck not because we're not trying
0: i have seen you be like cassandra on twitter for lakers fans being like your regular season is going to be yeah, less it's, uh it's gonna be more suggy than you think it's gonna be just prepare yourselves and which is a like, shame because that work. might
1: be their whole season so you, you never know
2: justin Justin is a hating ass hater with regards to the lakers roster but it is fair like especially i think this is like such a media-esque complaint but like you really don't get the chance to like there's just like you have to couch every article of analysis if it has anything critical in it with yeah well also they weren't trying so i don't know like that's like that's really kind of tough to right. analyze over the course of an 82 game
0: season so that certainly won't be the problem this year where do you guys come down on the over under which like was when i saw that number it like just struck me immediately it's 30 and a half last time i checked which feels low even for a team that is you know lost the greatest player of a generation so start with carter uh where do you come down on the over under
2: I actually think it's a great line. Uh, I think this team is a thirty one team. team. Um, you know, I think that if everything goes well, and if, you know, best case scenario, I don't think they're a thirty-win team, and worst case scenario, I don't think they're going to get to thirty wins. Right? Like, you know, if you're looking at setting an over/under, and you're a degenerate gambler like myself, you look for numbers that that either are what you expect to be the best case or worst case because those are typically going to be your best bets you know if you see a number you're like that that, that, everything has to go great for them to get to that you bet the under vice versa if you're like geez they're they're really thinking everything's going to go to hell you bet the over this one i think it's just i think it's pretty spot on i think given (laughs) i think if this team stays completely healthy and kevin love plays 82 games you know maybe they win 35 36 but since when is kevin love playing 82 games that's not what we know so I think it's a great number um, and it's definitely not one I'll be putting a bet on because it was too well set for my for my blood. Fair no, enough.
1: I uh, I completely agree, Carter. Like um, that's that's a tough one to bet. And actually, when the line first came out, I think it was 32 and it's moved down since then. Um, but when it was at 32, I remember I had asked Carter if you had the option to bet within five games of the line one way or another or take kind of outside of that window, what would you do? And for me, I would take the outside of that because I I think things are either going to go way better than we expected. And it's going to be an Indiana type situation where a team that you thought was going to be kind of high in the lottery ends up having a surprising year. Um, Maybe Rodney hood blossoms into the player. He was at least in Utah. Jetty Osman has a good year. Colin Sexton's rookie of the year or just some perfect storm like that. Or, This team tries right out of the gate. They're not very good. They're like four or five games under 500. And they see a fire sale of the veterans uh, that are on unguaranteed contracts. So that's George Hill. That's Kyle Korver. That's J.R. Smith. And if that happens, I think Ben has the potential to be really bad. And for all the problems and problematic things that come with Dan Gilbert, he seems to want to accelerate whatever path this team is on. It might not always be great signings, but if they're going for playoffs, he's going to spend money to try to put guys on the team. And um, if they're going to tank, I don't I don't think he likes being middle of the road. I, I think he has no problem taking a blowtorch to this. Uh, they, they might rest Kevin Love or shut him down down the stretch. And you see kind of like what the Grizzlies did with Mark Gasol last year, where, hey, you have this great all-star that still has some prime years left, but uh, everything else around it is just young guys that are going to make mistakes, so... Um, I wouldn't touch that line, but I don't think that it's going to be too, too close to that number. So which
2: outcome is so good? Uh, I, I just checked with uh, sorry. I, I just checked with a fake source in Vegas. They actually dropped the Cavs uh, line uh, by two. After they heard Tyron Lue's wins and lessons
0: quote. (laughs) So what what quote unquote lessons are we going to learn about Ty Lue this season, right? Like we haven't seen what he'll be like as a head coach uh, without LeBron. He's ostensibly like an offensive minded guy, but it's really easy to design an offense around LeBron. So like after media day, after uh, everything that's gone on the last couple of days, like what, uh, Justin? Like, what's your expectation level for whatever Ty Lue brings to the table this season? I'm really interested to see how it goes because I, I feel
1: like this is going to be a year where we learn a lot about who Tyron Lue is. Both, uh, well, mostly as a coach, but um, just what his identity really is. Because he was when the the team first came, he or when LeBron first came back to the team, Tyron was the defensive coordinator uh, under David Blatt. Then when David Blatt was fired. Lou took over head coaching responsibilities and and they hired a different uh, coordinator there. Um, So whether this team's going to have more of a defensive identity when it used to have none, uh, that'll be interesting to see. Um, I don't think Tyron Lou did a good job last year. I I think some of that was responsible or a result of the, the turnover that they had or, or LeBron not being engaged, kind of having a foot out the door. Uh, his health was a big factor, too. He was throwing up blood uh, during timeouts or half times. Like That's just not a good circumstance. Um, but I think he's someone that has been a good coach in the past, and I'm really interested to see what he can do uh, with this roster that has a combination of motivated and hungry young guys and some veterans that are probably going to have a bit of an adjustment here going from... Finals being the goal to
2: growth and development. Carter, same question. I'm I'm really interested to see how this plays out. You know, and uh, anyone who listens to our podcast knows, like Lou is kind of a microcosm for what I'm kind of curious about with everyone who's like kind of established on this team. Which is like, sure, you're a professional and sure you come in and do your job, but like I just can't get past how hard it must be to go from competing for the NBA title four years in a row or three years in a row, however long any of the vets have been with this team with that set of expectations, all of a sudden just to flip and be fighting for a seven seed. I just think that's hard to get yourself revved up for that, you know? And I think like people don't want to quite acknowledge that. Um, But most teams, when they lose their star, it's not just that they suck. It's that it's kind of hard just to go have that mindset change. And I'm kind of interested to see how Lou embraces that, uh, for, for a better or worse As, you know, are, are you, you know, have, you've had a summer to, re- to rest and recover and kind of try to get yourself back to a hundred percent, you know, let's see what you can do with this roster yeah. that is deeply flawed, but does have some interesting pieces that can do some cool stuff. So, uh, I, I want to see how they look defensively now that they have to try in the regular season and don't have, uh. <laughs> Their best player <laughs> setting not the best tone on that side of the ball. Uh, I'm just interested to see how that plays out. Uh, I just I just have no clue what to expect from Lou or you know to be honest, a lot
0: of the veterans this year. So I think that's that's an interesting point you brought up about like expectation setting, right? Because a lot of what we heard in the wake of the championship in 2016 and like the runback a year later. Was that like playing with LeBron and making it to the finals to know that you're, as Justin said, like fighting for second place was mentally exhausting and draining. And it was so bad that like a guy <laughs> like Kyrie, I think that accelerated his uh, his dem- demise in Cleveland, if you want to phrase it that way. So I've, so I think that uh, having lower goals and having, uh, I think, an un- like a, an unknown uh, ahead of you will be it it has the potential to be like mentally stimulating for guys that uh you know may not uh expect it to be in that way so
2: yeah it's funny it really could go either way right Right. (laughs) like you're either like who the hell cares it's the seven seed i'm just not gonna try or you're gonna be like hey we gotta try now it matters um and kind of what way they choose to go is going to really determine a lot of how fun this season's going to be to watch.
1: And I think it's also going to vary on which veterans we're talking about. Like um, Tristan Thompson seems a little motivated. He seems happy that he's a hundred percent healthy. Uh, this time last year, he was expressing doubt that he was ever going to be a hundred percent healthy again. Uh, he thought that chapter of his career was over uh, just as a result of playing through all the injuries the, the year before, and really just had a, a rough season and kind of got healthy just in time for the playoffs, which thank God, I, I don't know if they make it out of the first round if if he didn't uh, have that big game seven. Um, but yeah, it, I think a guy like Jr. Smith, that, that might be a bit of a question mark on how focused and motivated he is. Uh, George Hill is a bit of a question mark. Um, he looked dead in Sacramento for the first half of last year. Um, and I don't know if the Cavs are going to be in a, completely different situation there um nowhere is really quite sacramento when you're talking about a basketball Fair. graveyard but um this is this is at least the drop off in expectations and the the drop off of going to the finals for for the first time in your career uh that that might be something that weighs on him and um it it might determine how quickly these guys get uh, sent out the door so
0: the obvious first guy to bring up in my mind was kevin love because he signed the extension to stay in Cleveland, right? Like he, he in right. nominally he wants to be here, um, but we don't have an idea of what, of how healthy he can stay over 82 games. And then there's always kind of this uh, mirage, much like an Olympic mellow of like, quote unquote, Minnesota, Kevin Love. Like whatever right. that means and whoever that guy. Is.
1: Yeah, I'm going to jump in because I, I was a Kevin Love stan before. Oh, So this is a big part of it. But that Wolves team was ridiculously good and had just like an app ab- or the last year, the last year he was there, they were ridiculously good and just had abnormally bad luck in close games and a horrific bench. But I, I think their starting lineup was like a top eight offense and defense. So. Um, I don't think he's that player anymore, um, but if the Cavs suck, I don't think it's going to be as a result of him. Um, this is, as Carter alluded to earlier, this is a deeply, deeply flawed team. Um, but in terms of effort, I, I think you're going to get a lot, lot out of Kevin Love. Um, he, I think that's just kind of the way he's wired, and um, part of me thought it was possible that he would sign this extension in Cleveland because when you look at Minnesota – he was happy for the most part. He he seems like a kind of a low maintenance guy a lot of the times. And things only kind of went downhill when they weren't offering him Madison. We're, we're saving that for Ricky Rubio. You're not our franchise guy. And I think that's when things kind of went, uh, kind of went David off the cliff. Con,
2: you son of a bitch.
1: Exactly. So <laughs> I, I think showing some loyalty to him um, pro- probably went a long way there. And I, that's a, a guy that, Maybe this is going to sound stupid in a couple months, but I I just don't really worry about his effort or uh compete levels.
0: See, I I don't worry about that. I worry about Carter, what what you can uh what kind of an offense and what yeah. kind of a defense you can build you... around Kevin Love <laughs> in the NBA in 2018, if that makes any sense.
2: Yeah, I get that. Um uh, I think the offense thing is actually a almost a more prudent question than the defense because I think he's actually fine on defense most of the time. God, he was the, think if he's he's not, the best defender in the starting lineup, a lot of nights that was a nightmare. Yeah, I mean you have to consider how many times like the like this Cavs team was just letting guys blow by them and like having Kevin Love be your first real line of defense, not your last. You know, it's not it's not like like when you watch the Cavs, man. Have you really? Did you ever really feel like? Oh, they're doing a nice job hiding Kevin yeah. Love tonight, especially when it was starting Derrick. <laughs> no, they funnel guys to him because they didn't want to starting Derrick Dar-
1: Rose, <laughs> Dwayne Wade, a LeBron that couldn't care less on defense and wasn't very good even when he was engaged, and fat and fat and depressed Jay
2: Crowder, <laughs> like Kyrie. All right. Even
0: like even like yeah. IT, right? Where yeah, if you put, put that personnel picture.
2: around love, like defensively, you're probably gonna have a hard time, but like it's and, not because and you let's have Let's play it at center too. Let's put put
1: even more defensive responsibility on it because we want to play small.
2: Yeah. And I think I think the, the best way to like to like think about that as a thought exercise is like if you put a league average defender at power forward, how much better would the Cavs' regular season defenses have been the last couple years? Uh I don't know, Not is much. is Jay Crowder a league average defensive power forward? Well, I can tell you this much. They were dog shit with Jay Crowder. <laughs> it, it just doesn't have, you know, like they were so fundamentally flawed in a lot of effort and structure. You, you're, you're forgetting that
1: Jay Crowder was revitalized and he thrived in that Utah system. He just wanted to play in a structured offense to help him shoot even worse than he did in Cleveland. God, I hate that
2: guy. Um, <laughs> But you know, it, offensively I think it's actually an interesting question is like in this switch heavy um you know modern league can you really like build an offense out of the el- out of the elbow? Um I think you can. I think we've seen it with the Nuggets even though I don't think Love is nearly as gifted as a passer as Jokic. Um and I do think Love, you know, he does well enough on post ups. He draws a lot of fouls which uh, ups his, per, you know, ups his points per possession in the post. So he can, he can be a switcher too. Um, the Cavs will have a decent amount of shooting around him. Uh, oftentimes if they play him in the right lineups. Uh, but it's certainly a worthwhile question. I don't know if Kevin Love's ever going to be a 26 point no. a game guy ever again. And that's not really a slight because 26 points per game is like a shit ton. <laughs> like mm-hmm. not that many guys do that any year. So, you know, I think he's going to settle in you know, with a little extra volume, um, maybe slightly worse efficiency, and he'll land around 22, 23 points a game. And that'll be enough for the Cavs when their half-court offense is bogging down. Because if you look at this roster, it is full of transition threats that can't do shit in the half-court. And Kevin Love is one of the few guys who really is built to score in that that space. So uh, I think they're going to lean on him a lot, uh, even at the expense of his efficiency and that's okay. This might be one of the, uh, least grand things
1: I've ever said, but I think the Cavs need to cheat off Brad Stevens notes in class. Like, um, especially like after Kyrie went down, look at the way they ran offense around Horford with like Terry Rozier out there and, and Jetty Osmond's basically Jason Tatum. So, um, I, I think you want to, <laughs> you want to copy a lot of what they were doing there without like a reliable perimeter, uh, initiator. Um, And I I think Justin Thompson even mentioned that they're they're looking at a lot of film from the Celtics and how they operate offensively. So um, even though they don't have that guy that you're confident with the ball, they do have a lot of ball handlers in George Hill, Colin Sexton, you hope, will take over that. Jordan Clarkson can handle the ball. I don't know how good he is at getting it to other people. Uh, But Rodney Hood was actually one of the better pick and roll initiators uh, in the league when he was in Utah. Um, or at least above average, and with the screen setting of Tristan Thompson and Larry Nance Jr., I think you might be able to generate some offense there. But uh, to the point, I, I think the uh, 26 point per game days for Kevin Love are are long gone, and I think maybe 22 is is where it'll it'll settle in this year.
0: Okay, so we're now we're going to talk about Jetty. Is it Jetty? Jetty. Yep. Okay, so this guy's been kind of hidden. Only one summer league game, less than 700 career minutes, playing halfway across the world in World Cup qualifiers for <laughs> Turkey. But he's all Justin can talk about, and he just comped him to Jason Tatum. So who is Jetty Osman? Who is he?
2: So uh, I'll pick this up. Uh, Jet- Jetty is, uh, first off, we're projecting because uh, he's a really endearing guy. Um Uh, he is like the ultimate, like bright eyed young guy who just like, he was asked at media day about the workout picture that got posted where he had gone to a workout with, uh, LeBron KD and Kawhi. Um, and the way he talked about it, uh, someone referred to it it as like, he won a sweepstakes (laughs) to get there. (laughs) It was like, like very like unbridled joy. Yeah. Like unbridled joy. And, um, so as a player, I actually think, uh, you know, I think Cavs fans are too high on him, obviously, because we're just enamored. But I do think uh, we got to see st- – it's one of those things where that's one of the rare advantages left of being a fan of a team where you get to see the little bursts that unless you're really paying attention, you're just not noticing. Um, Jetty's a really, really good athlete, um, a really good uh, runner in transition, and, like, not just capable, but actively does so. You know, like you don't often see a guy go full bore and transition for the chance at maybe a layup or to open up a lane for a shooter. But Jetty does that uh, in a way that really forces the defense to pay attention. Uh, his handle is terrible. Uh, he he kind of has to play lead guard for Turkey, but uh, at least in his rookie year in the league, uh, he found himself whenever he was initiating, he got ripped a lot. Uh, I think he can develop at least a passable handle. Um, and that is like, that's a nice skill that you can see someone needs to develop. Cause it is one, it feels like one of the ones that's more work than most. Um, uh, he, his jumper kind of comes and goes, uh, he's kind of remade it over the course of this off season. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have been posting Kyle Korver comps, uh, just in terms of form. Uh, if he can hit at a consistent rate, I think his energy as an off ball cutter, um, uh, will really be better utilized because teams will have to respect him as a shooter. Uh, but, you know, ultimately uh, he's also a, a pretty nice passer has good instincts. Uh, he's going to play a big part for this Cavs team. Uh, I had speculated that they might not start him just because, you know, Tyron Lue might prefer Rodney hood, but uh, Joe Varden on <laughs> Nate, Nate Duncan's podcast is pretty much all but confirmed. He's going to be starting for this team at small forward and uh, pretty small, sh- pretty small shoes to fill. Yeah, uh, walking in the footsteps of Alonzo Alonzo G
1: is very, very difficult. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, Jetty's exciting. So, Jetty, I remember I got excited about him when the Cavs drafted him. Um, Just, it didn't take a lot for me to get excited. Uh, I'm going to buy in a lot of guys. But uh, Chad Ford had mentioned that he would have been a lottery pick if there wasn't two years left on his contract in Turkey. So I thought that was a kind of a perfect draft and stash guy. Uh, someone that seems to understand his role. And uh, the comp that I actually had was like a small forward version of Tristan Thompson, like knows exactly what he's needs to do in the NBA, what his strengths are, and isn't going to deviate from that. Um, but then this summer has been a bit of a surprise, just seeing him work on his jumper um, in the uh, FIBA World Cup qualifiers out of the top 30 scores. He actually hit the most threes per game in those qualifying games and, and almost all of them are coming off the dribble. Now that line's a lot closer, but it's at least some positive development. So um, I I mostly agree with Carter's analysis. I'm not going to go on for too long, um, but it's just going to be kind of a, a fun guy that you can at least focus on, on, on potential growth there. Um, when that really wasn't the case the last time LeBron left. So having guys like him, uh, Colin Sexton and Lance to, or Nance, Lance,
0: good God, be uh, Nance still
1: a lot lesser of a degree. Um, that's, it's, it's nice to have.
0: So what's the starting lineup going to be? Because I think that, I think that gives us a lot of insight into how uh, the direction of the rest of the season is going to go. Like if Ty thinks he's going to push for the seven or the eight seed or whatever, like we won't see a lot of Colin Sexton. We won't see um, as much like Kyle Corver, or we'll see more Kyle Corver. Um, we'll see the vets, basically. But if yeah. they think they're rebuilding, they're going to play the kids more. So uh, I have not listened to the Cleveland Nate Duncan podcast. I try to avoid Nate Duncan whenever possible. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> but what what is what was uh, Varden saying when they started the lineup was going to be?
1: Um, yeah, I, I'm i going to take my guess. I didn't realize that they had talked about it. But... Uh,
0: I, I,
2: I have the direct quote, if that's
0: okay. Well, I want to take my guess yeah, first, and it. I want to
1: see if I'm right. I, I think it's going to be sex. Fine. Jeez. Yeah. Sexton,
2: Hill, Jetty, Love, Tristan. Go ahead, Kurt. All right. The direct quote from uh, Joe Varden, a new beat reporter for The Athletic. Uh, George Hill. I think you're looking at a starting lineup of George Hill, Rodney Hood, Jetty Osmond, Kevin Love, and Larry Nance. Says Sexton, Clarkson, and TT are locks off the bench and the other two spots are up for grabs. That means um, a guy like J.R. Smith, apparently... Uh, might not have a guaranteed space in the in the rotation, which, which is correct. A little surprising. It, it's correct. Uh, same but for surprising. David um, yes. Same for Kyle Corver. Uh, which I mean Kyle Corver's gonna make the rotation. Come on. Uh, but it is interesting that Varden doesn't think Sexton's gonna start, and I wonder how long that's gonna last. I mean, what's the use of playing Colin Sexton off the bench alongside Jeez. Jordan Clarkson? <laughs> I mean, if he's if he's the first guy off the bench, then maybe it just kind of just feels like you're getting in your own way, right? I I
1: don't think that's going to last all of preseason. This
0: is a Tyrod Taylor situation. You want to surround Sexton with like literally as much shooting as humanly possible because he's a point guard who can't shoot in 2018, and so it makes not it makes some sense to like put him next to like Corver and Jr. But like not necessarily next to Tristan I don't know was, I don't know man weird. like
2: I do I do think that like that line of thinking is like you can't play him with a non-shooting center is like I think that's a little too far not saying that's what you were doing but you know, all the you know he's also going to want a nice vertical threat in the pick and roll yeah
1: and
2: well I mean like you have
0: Channing Frye on the roster for a reason right
1: well like, I, I think that reason's more with the locker room like even looking at last year um Tristan helped with the bench lineup with like du- uh, Dwayne Wade and Derrick Rose. which God, that feels like years ago. But if you have shooters around like Colin Sexton and Tristan Thompson, like I think there's a lot Thompson can do uh, to to help Sexton. Like one of the best uh, pick and roll pick setters that there is. Uh, when he's healthy, he's mobile. He can get out of the way, and he understands spacing well. So, um, I, I think there is a benefit to that. But then all of a sudden, if you're also pairing like David Nwaba in there, Jordan Clark's, and then I think it starts to get, get real, yeah, it's going like, to get real contest uh, congested really quick.
2: Ultimately, Laz and we were talking about this on our pod uh, earlier this week. Is like this team just has too many players that are going to expect to play. Like, I mean, I think you can kind of get that vibe right now uh, just with all these names we're dropping. And I think we've hit like eleven or twelve that expect to play, and really, teams shouldn't be running more than nine on a given night, right? uh so that they this is a team that's really ripe for some mid-season trades of dumping some veterans onto teams that are looking for some help uh well, because right now it's congested as hell
0: well one guy in particular that sounded like he was like mentally preparing himself to be traded at media day was uh Corver, and like that's a guy who very clearly could help a any like any playoff team, especially in like the lower half of the Western Conference, and so like he's and a, a guy who has a lot of other guys on Cleveland's roster that play the same position as him, right? And so, like that's the guy I'm staring at as getting traded in the not too distant future.
1: Yeah, he's a good asset too because his next year of his contract isn't guaranteed, and even beyond that, he's already talked about considering retirement. So this might be his last year. Um, so if you're looking to to get off a little bit of salary while still getting someone that helps you um, at, at least for this year, like I, I think that wouldn't surprise me to see a team like Milwaukee go after him, or or even the 76ers um cuz
2: yeah a, a couple a couple dumb people on twitter.com uh were kind of posting the Cavs payroll and like oh like oh they are so screwed they have so much money committed this season and next season um and they're dumb because the Cavs actually are in a pretty good spot uh with regards to this because they have a lot of these contracts with non-guarantees in their second on their final year uh, George Hill next year is set to earn 20 19 million only uh guaranteed 1 million. That's a nice trade chip for a team looking yeah, to get off like money. There's,
1: yeah, there's like 43 million dollars that are not guaranteed. Yeah. So JR uh, JR figure I, figure I think is fast.
2: JR's I think guaranteed like 16 million next season. Uh not this season but next season and I think only 3 of that is guaranteed uh the year after. Um and so ultimately these contracts are actually really movable as teams try to get off the last vestiges of their terrible deals from the cap boom summer. Uh, and ideally uh, with free agency looking pretty loaded, I think there are going to be teams looking to get that cap room. And if the Cavs can toss them a useful eighth, ninth man and Corver and Jr. in, uh, in George Hill, you know, there's positive value there uh, twofold. And I think they actually should be able to extract some positive value there if Kobe Altman plays it right.
0: So but that sets them up for for the rebuild. You, you're getting right. you're not getting excess salary with those trades. You're trying to get picks or you're trying to get guys who uh, expire in the next couple of years or you're uh, taking on somebody else's dead money in exchange for a pick. Yep. Uh, and and like Old a order. JR or something like that. And so,
1: or preferably a young yeah. player. Like if you're talking about like the Hornets, I'd love to be able to like take monk raise their hands for like freeing them of Batum. Like I don't, I'd almost rather go with a young player uh than a pick just because I trust a young player that's shown something in the NBA over a draft pick that the Cavs have to make a selection with in the NBA draft, which can always be a little shaky.
2: Yep. I think that's kind of what you're looking at. Uh, the 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 dead oh, money for messy. picks uh, game is probably what we're gonna see I think by the trade deadline.
0: That's fair. Oh man, that Batum contract is really messy though.
2: It's it's probably the worst deal in the league at this point. Tristan and
1: him can have like conversations about swinging and stuff like that. So maybe it helps revitalize them. <laughs>
2: All right. The the hot swinging scene in Cleveland.
1: Oh wait, no no no. I just I just Tony Parker's there. Never mind. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's no, he's gosh.
2: downgrading on on uh, being yeah. unfaithful. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Charlotte uh, Charlotte has her own thing set up. So maybe maybe that's not as good of a, a swing and fit as I thought it might be.
0: So when the Cavs set up the rebuild, who who stays? I guess Jetty and or Jetty and Collins seem pretty obvious. Larry Nance seems. Not I wouldn't say like completely obvious, but that seems like a solid enough. He's guy. as close
2: to a lock as you're gonna get. I think they're really looking to play his local factor. Okay. Uh they're looking for an extension. He really wants to be there, and like you don't find that many guys that are like want to be so geek to be in Cleveland. Yeah. Um even if like they don't hate it. You know, obviously Kevin Love extended and stuff like that, but like he loves it there and he grew up there and uh he he really wants to build something in Cleveland. Uh I think those three, and then Kevin Love. I really don't think they're going to move Kevin Love. Um, yeah, me I mean I know a lot of people have speculated that all the extension was was an excuse to give him a movable deal so people weren't trading for an expiring contract. I think that's kind of not... One, I don't think that many teams are going to be that uh, geek to take on 32-year-old mm-hmm. Kevin Love at $30 million a year. Um, and two, I think that... Uh, and I've said that Justin's so sick of me quoting David Zavak, our former uh, uh, lead editor at Feel the Sword, but he said something along the lines of the Cavs at some point are going to have to establish a positive mm-hmm. ad- identity that doesn't involve LeBron James. And I think Kevin Love, keeping him around, kind of points to that. Um, and so, yeah, I think those four are really your core in the short term
0: and the long term. What about uh, what about David Nwaba? Like, that's a guy who interests me because he's young enough to fit on that timeline, and I think he could come cheap enough for the not-too-distant future to be uh, involved in something like that, involved in a I mean, I,
1: I think he's someone you might see that him involved in their plans. I don't know if you'd ever identify a guy like that as kind of a core piece, but I think they'd like to retain him. I, I would have loved to see them get more term on that contract. Uh, yeah. That would be really nice. The only other fringe guy that I would consider is Ronnie Hood. Uh, who has expressed a desire to play in Cleveland long-term. Um, he's, I, I mean, last season was what it was, but uh, in the not-so-distant past, uh, this was at least at a reliable score and somebody that is hoping to kind of rehabilitate his image and standing on the league. And um, if he can be the player that he was in Utah last year and and you can get him on a contract similar to what he wanted, so like four years, $40 million, um, I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world because I- in a vacuum, he probably has the most talent out of uh, any of the Cavs' wing players as it, as it currently stands.
2: Yeah, but ass. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. you're a real woke
1: You're really able to deal with people with anxiety when it's Kevin Love, not Rodney Hood and his BoJack Horseman-looking ass.
2: I know. I just, <laughs> I just can't. I'm You're out. you fake, woke. I'm just kind You're of fake out. woke. Is what I'm calling you. Call I, I'm not fake woke. I'm fake. Just dis- I'm fake
0: interested. <laughs> I just, I have zero idea of like what motivates Rodney Hood to like get up in the morning, and like that is why I would have trouble handing him like a. Yeah, but I, I, I can't do. Like I can't before. figure
1: that out with myself either. So I'm 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 not going to throw stones from this <laughs> glass
2: house. Fair. I'm just not that interested in him at this point. Like I feel like I saw everything I needed to see. Um. And it's like the best version of Rodney Hood might come around and that'd be nice. And it's just like, are we in good value there? Uh, I mean, he'll be hitting unrestricted free agency. So if he does ball out, someone will probably throw him an offer because it's a wing crazy league. Um, it just felt like the chance to the chance to extract good value out of Rodney Hood came and went when they weren't able to sign him to a cheap long-term deal this summer. Uh, now that he's taken the qualifying offer, it's just like, He's just kind of auditioning for the league at this point.
0: What's the what's the biggest on court problem with the Cavs roster as currently constructed?
1: Um a log there is a log jam at both the guard position as well as the center position without a lot of clear starters. Like they have a lot of guys that like deserve eighteen to twenty minutes and not a lot of guys have proven they deserve thirty to thirty six minutes. So um, I, I think some consolidation or some thinning of the herd uh, would go a long way with his roster because, um, I mean, George Hill, Jordan Clarkson, Colin Sexton, J.R. Smith, Kyle Korver, David Nwaba, uh, Jetty Osman is probably more of a two, but he's going to play a lot of three. Um, like there, There's just so many mouths to feed and, and guys that don't really fit here long term. And at the center position, I mean, you ideally you'd want a timeshare between Nance and Tristan Thompson, but at the same time you want to get Ante Zizich minutes because he's looked very promising and and was just kind of one of those guys that was picked in, in the teens in, in in the first round. So he has? Uh, I don't remember that at all. Um
2: Yeah, good. Uh he uh okay. this is another one where it's like you gotta have to watch in small bursts, like the end of last year, when the whole team was hurt, he came out and you know dropped fourteen, sixteen points. Um, was showed real flash as a post up player. Actually, looked really great in summer league in the two games he played there. I think he averaged like twenty four and like ten. Um, you know, I think you at least have to figure out if he's good at some point over the course of the year. And his internationals, his international stats. I, I think
1: the only other player like. Under twenty, I think in 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 the league that he played in, that had a better uh, PER, was uh, Jokic. Um, like he he was he put up real numbers in, in a good European league at a young age, and I, I think bigs take a long time to to
2: kind of develop but early on um, as- in the year i was getting pretty certain he sucked yeah and and then it and then all of a sudden it was like oh the game slowed down for him and he looked a lot more comfortable especially i mean he's not going to be a good defender at any point because he's a little slow-footed but he does have really nice touch around the bucket good footwork and he's big he's a big guy mm-hmm. um and that still matters that, uh even though- at
1: that, that per 36 that's totally sustainable uh, 20 points 10 rebounds um, how many blocks here? Two blocks on seventy-three percent shooting. That's that's who he is, and that's who he's going to
2: be.
0: <laughs> yeah, I am. I am super suspicious of per thirty-six yeah. superstars because I dealt with Boban Maranovic for two years. Yeah, Justin,
2: if you if you ask me, we got a Hall of Famer on our hands at third string center. <laughs> you know what? That actually might not be the worst comp. Like a guy who's okay in spots, but uh,
0: um, yeah, I'm I'm not superstitious, but um, I'm a little bit suspicious <laughs> about him. That's fair. So what's the what's the best case scenario for the Cavs? That could be short-term, that could be long-term. Like this season, is it is it better to try and chase a playoff spot like it seems like Gilbert wants to do? Or is it better to just kind of stealth plan the rebuild and then go full rebuild next year?
2: Long-term, the best case scenario for the Cavs is to become a healthy organization that makes sense. In it. A- <laughs> we have such modest goals. It should be a I mean, modest goal. That, like Is
0: that modest? I feel like there are a bunch of teams that are not well run. Yeah.
2: Like, I don't know, it's like you know, cuz I I always you know, it's like the old truism like you can't trade your owner. Um, and these Cavs have been marked by instability in the Dan Gilbert era. Uh they've come with great success because the greatest player of all time was born in Akron. Uh or the second greatest or the third greatest, whatever you care. I don't want to have that debate. Um, But this is a team that has not had healthy organizational structure. Gilbert has never extended a GM. Um, They have not done particularly well in the draft overall. Um, They found a few hidden gems. Uh, They've also taken the worst number one overall pick of all time. Um, I just want this team to develop a healthy culture, um, however possible. And, you know, it, it, because when you have a bad owner and you don't have a healthy culture, you can find success. You know, the Knicks have had two or three good years here and there. Um, but you can never sustain success. And that's like, so I don't really care whether they take the, oh, we're going to tank or we're going to try to compete. Either tack is fine with me. I just want them to do it as, as smartly as they can, whatever route they choose.
0: You didn't like the Kyrie Irving, Deion Waiters selections back to back years. Uh, it was
2: a little awkward. Didn't work out that well. They had to host a press conference. about hey, how no, they no, didn't hate was, each that other. That was
1: the, uh, the Isaiah and Jude, Joe Dumars of their uh, of this era. That's I remember. That's what they thought. That's what they they wanted it to be. So um, it uh, it uh, in a mess. Certainly was something. Um, we will we will always have. The post All Star break Dion Waiters in in twenty fourteen where he looked fantastic. Kyrie was out with an injury. The team was five hundred.
2: Justin, can can we collectively agree not to get hoodwinked by the post All Star break? Half the teams aren't fucking trying anymore. Surge, yeah, by you, mediocre more, young players. More
1: learned uh, from that and that's something that the the Lakers fans are also going to learn because they are... NBA strapping. Twitter
2: needs to learn that collectively. I can't I can't keep hearing about young guys that Every ba- are only wow, good from February to March. Every
1: bad team has all Where their young, young players look a little bit better after the All-Star break. Their, their future is bright.
2: After everyone stops fucking
1: trying.
0: Yeah. You didn't love Mario Hazonia's March? What? That's crazy. He was so good. Mario though.
1: is it? Mario's a good. One. All I'll say is it's definitely a sign yeah, of things to when come when he's playing alongside Kyrie and KD in New York. <laughs> oh, yeah
0: I so uh, what's the what what's the under the radar thing that NBA fans who now have less of a reason to watch the Cavs are going to miss on a night to night basis? Jaddy. Jettie. <laughs> there's no other answer. It's like
2: this kid is either going to be um not special because that's putting too much on him but he's either going to be a really fun player to watch that shows a lot more than anyone who watched him last year uh you know only on some nights on national tv games where he gets eight spot minutes uh he's either going to be he might be a guy that you're like oh wow i didn't know he had that in him and uh i think a lot of cash fans are really banking on that not necessarily in terms of how it impacts the wins and losses of the team, but just in terms of uh, an extra person to root for their growth and um, and seeing what he's made of. Yeah, it's oh hey look he's an
1: he's an NBA player, and um, I don't think there's going to be anything under the radar or subtle about Colin Sexton. I think he plays the game in a way that isn't exactly nope. quiet. Um, I I guess the only other guy might be Larry Nance if he really does blossom and looks more like the Larry Nance before he pulled his hamstring last year. Um, but yeah, I think Jetty's kind of the obvious one because um, outside of our little niche here, I, I don't know there's, if there's a lot of people that know he exists.
0: This is the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I do have to ask you about the Detroit Pistons. So from from your perch in Canada, uh, what do you what do you, what have you thought about the last six months in Detroit? The the Blake Griffin trade, uh, firing Stan Van Gundy and hiring Dwayne Casey, uh, restructuring the front office under Ed Stefanski, uh, swiping away Jose Calderon. If that matters at all to you,
2: you son of a bitch. A little heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. I,
1: I'm always going to have love in my heart for Jose Calderon. Not not only for his Cavs tenure, but also just also growing up and watching a lot of Raptors games. Um, I think uh, I I like a lot of what they've done. Um, Obviously they paid a lot to get Blake Griffin going to pay a lot for a guy that's uh, probably on the back nine of his career, but I think it was something that they had to do. Um, I I don't think there's when you're in Detroit, similar to Cleveland, there's a finite number of ways to get kind of star level talent uh, into town. And um, I think it's a gamble that was worthwhile and, to be honest, I feel a lot better about it now that Dwayne Casey's there. Um, I think Casey is a really, really intelligent coach. This isn't exactly a hot take. He won Coach of the Year last year, but I think he's someone that gets a lot of buy-in from his players. And um, I think uh, schematically, uh, he's very intelligent, and he's going to do a lot of things to to hide weaknesses. Uh, he's done that in the past. I think Jonas Valanciunas and Marta Rosen are two of the worst defenders at their respective positions. And uh, Toronto is a respectable defensive team with them. Um, so I, I think he's going to put on guys in a lot of positions to succeed. And um, I, I know uh, whenever whenever it's not a white coach, we have to say, oh, they're a, they're a player's coach. But uh, I think he's a really brilliant basketball mind. And uh, I think he's going to do a lot of great things in Detroit. And I, I think they've taken some steps in the right direction. And uh, I, I think they're going to be a playoff team. Uh, I, I thought that last year, and then I looked really stupid. But I think this year, they, they especially in a, a weaker Eastern Conference, uh, I think that they're going to make playoffs.
2: I stand for Blake Griffin. I like him. I like watching him play. Um, I Right? Think, He's a,
1: he seems fun.
2: Yeah, I, I do think his body language hit some alarming uh, levels in some Pistons games I watched last year. Uh, but I also think like, I don't know, man, like is that stupid, like tangential stuff that probably doesn't matter, but like you see him snapping with Andre Drummond all off season, like, you know, I think he's had some time to adjust. I think, you know, when you get traded and get blindsided, I think it's kind of hard on your psyche, um, and going to a team that wasn't that good and, you know, for whatever reason, wasn't putting it together. Even when he was playing, I thought he played okay for stretches when I watched them, uh, I just think some time for him and Drummond to figure out how to play together is going to be helpful. Um, I think this team a playoff team as well. And uh, I just like a lot of the individual pieces. I think, you know, I think it's, I mean,
0: you could, you tell me like, is Reggie Jackson just cooked? Is he just not good anymore? So he's fine when he's on the court. Uh, I know his numbers from three, especially last year, weren't great, but uh, defenses still respect his ability to shoot and drive. And, like, that's something they just don't do for his backups, regardless of who those backups have been. And so the offense in particular just flows more effectively sure. when he's on the court. And so, yeah, yeah, he's Yeah, he's I don't fine.
2: know anything about their rookies. That's the only thing. I don't I don't know anything about Bruce Brown. And they had another one, right?
0: Yeah, Kyrie Thomas out of Creighton. Yeah, sure yeah, two second-round yeah. picks. Hopefully those guys don't factor into the season at all, right? Like, if something – no, <laughs> if, like, if, if Bruce Brown is playing, like, 15 minutes a night like something has gone wrong um
2: yeah something has gone horribly wrong but i like bullock i like i think stanley johnson might turn into a player i mean i think it's got to happen soon
1: and i was in on him i i I really hope that he breaks out this year because he should be a good player
0: so the 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 pitch right now is that uh very very quietly uh, they're throwing Stan Van Gundy under the, under the bus on that one. Like Stan just broke him mentally and never built him back up, and they're hoping that Casey uh, builds him up to a point where he can be a rotation player.
2: Yeah, I, I I mean, he fits the concept. He's just another one of those. The idea of him is a lot better than the reality of him so far, but yep. it doesn't mean that the reality of him can't eventually be good. Exactly, yeah.
0: All right, guys, uh, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, what's the best place for, for people to yell at you about the Cavs?
2: Go ahead, Carter. Uh, yeah, you can uh, you can yell at me at uh, Carter underscore Shade uh, or Justin at CavZanada. Uh, you can follow our written work at fearthesword.com. And you really, really ought to subscribe to our podcast, Chase Down Pod uh, on Twitter uh, and Chase Down Podcast uh, on Pretty much every social media platform or every podcast platform, um, we would really appreciate a uh, subscribe and a listen because we think we have a pretty good time.
0: I I will say I do not listen to a ton of team specific podcasts just because like I don't have the time. There are thirty NBA teams <laughs> and like I I have a real job, but like you guys are definitely one. Like I will I will kick in and like see what you guys are up to every couple weeks, and it is a good time. And it is a good podcast, and you should definitely subscribe.
1: That's cool, man. Oh, thank thanks, you. Man. That, that means a lot. That's 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 about as good of a compliment as I think we could hope for.
0: <laughs> uh, obviously, you should be subscribing to this podcast as well, uh, and you should follow me on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at L A Z C H A N C E. What a great! Handle. Uh, this has been the. De- <laughs> thank you. That's my middle name, actually. Oh, well, there you nice. go. Mine's my middle name. Carter underscore Shade. Oh, shade is your middle
2: name. Sure is. It's my mother's maiden name. See,
1: both of you guys have cool middle names that, like, you you think it's just a catchy handle, but turns out it's actually your name. Mine's just dumb. I put out a poll on, or I put out a question on Twitter asking for suggestions, and, and this was the one people liked the most.
2: It's a tough, it's a tough, it doesn't
0: capture your spirit at all, I'll note it. Yeah. And and now, but like now, you're like married to it, right? Because yeah, you, you can't Change it anymore, yeah, yeah,
1: and yeah, especially now. If I change it, everyone's like, "Oh, LeBron leaves, and now you're not that anymore." And, and plus, I'd be <laughs> yeah, punting over for you. Yeah, I'd be punting the blue check mark too if I change it. And it's just, it's yeah, it's a hassle.
0: Nice, nice brag. Anyway, Wait, yeah, sorry, nice, sorry, nice Las. We, we really throw in <laughs> No, no, I w- I want a blue check mark. Like, yeah, way to throw you're that in there, right? Hell yeah. All right, uh, we will see Pistons fans with uh, some more stories and some more team previews later this week. Thanks, guys.